Welcome to Phase Zero, episode 10? Are we on 10, 11? I don't even know anymore. I'm just like, <laughs> I lost count. And that's amazing that we made it far enough to lose count of the episodes. I, am I haven't, haven't been canceled yet. Yeah, that's good. That's good the ratings have been that we're the number one podcast called Phase Zero that airs on Friday <laughs> in the world. So that you can't dispute that. I'm your host, Brandon Davis. I am joined today. Jim Viscardi is back. Hey, yo. We have, for the first time on the show, comicbook.com's Jenna Anderson. Hello, I'm happy to be here. Thank you for being here. Jenna, we like to start with an icebreaker for all of our newcomers to the show, so I have to I have to put you on the spot here. Oh boy, okay. This is a fun question for you, just, to get, just so the audience gets to know you a little bit. This is very important. Which Avenger, if you had to choose one, would you most like to watch Zack Snyder's Justice League with? Hmm. Oh. That was not the end of the question that I expected at all. Unless that completely changes everything. Um, oh my gosh. Are we talking like OG Avenger or just like comic Avengers? Like any or M- just- any MCU Avenger. Okay. Gosh. I'm gonna say oh my gosh. I don't know. I feel like I'm being put on the spot. Uh, <laughs> this is much more complicated than I had expected. My gut just says like either Thor or Captain Marvel because I feel like they would just have fun with it. I feel like there would be alcohol involved. I don't know. That's kind of my instinct. So I feel like I, having loved the movie and having seen it and really enjoyed it, I feel like it'd be fun to watch them watch it. So I guess that's my answer. Yeah, I, I feel like Thor would be the guy who talks during the movie and asks what's going on every five minutes. Oh, absolutely, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I would tell you what, though. I'm watching the Snyder Cut with Rhodey. Rhodey is... That's a good one. Yeah. I feel like Rhodey would be a good movie critic. Absolutely, yep. yeah. Yeah, yeah. Well, listen, we have a big show today. It is a very special Friday for the MCU. The Falcon and the Winter Soldier premiered today. The first episode... We're going to run through that. All spoilers in just a little bit. We're going to go through some of the uh, big MCU news of the week. And if we have time at the end of the show, we may have to cut this out. I don't know if we're going to get time for it because I do have to go talk to the cast of Godzilla vs. Kong, which I'm excited for. Uh, We're going to try to get some time. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Uh, Aza Gonzalez, hello. Uh, Skarsgård, how are you? Those are All of them are such good-looking people. What the heck? Uh, But anyway... Uh, we're going to try to talk about Zack Snyder's Justice League towards the end of the show as well. So if anybody hasn't seen it, you'll be okay uh, on the spoiler front to get out or press pause. Uh, But we do have another special guest that I want to introduce to the show. This is a kid who I've been watching his rise across social media. And I mean, he's going to take over the world one day. I know that he's going to. This kid is just taking off. He spreads positivity. He's a huge fan. He's got his own podcast with my friend Brad Lambert. He has his own brand that he's building. He's a TikTok star, and that's an understatement. He's, he's the blowing king up of superhero TikTok. I'm telling you right now, that's a yeah. If there was, if there is a crown, his neck is heavy from having to carry that thing around all the time. <laughs> Everybody, please welcome to Phase Zero, my buddy Soups. Soups. Oh, the mic is muted. Soups, soups is muted. I'm back. Welcome. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you for having me on. What a way to just enter the show, you know? Of but, course, uh, dude. Of course. But yeah, those words were so sweet. Thank you guys so much. If you guys don't know me, my name is Soups. Uh, I'm just a, a content creator, just really just a fan on social media. And all I do is just talk about the things I like my small fire, which is anything related to superheroes and entertainment. So I'm, I'm excited. We got a ton of awesome things to talk about. So 
What a time to be alive. I'm ready to go. Oh, yeah, man. Dude, we, well, we have a lot in common on that front. So welcome to the show. Thanks for coming, dude. So we're going to start today's show with uh, with some some MCU news before we dive into spoilers on the Falcon of the Winter Soldier. I know everybody wants to talk about the spoilers. I promise you we will get to it. Uh, just let's get through the news first. Uh, we got a Loki poster, which if this Loki poster came out as much as three weeks ago, I would have been looking at it and being like, what do all the circles mean? There's orange on his collar. Is that the soul stone? Oh, there's a clock. Does that mean that Kang the Conqueror is in the show. And now I'm just like, it's a poster. Stop staring at it. It's Tom Hiddleston. I mean, Jenna, I'm going to go to you. Did, did this poster do anything to bolster your excitement for the show? I mean, I'm just already excited for Loki, so the poster didn't necessarily add to that in a huge way. But, like, I, I am surprised that there aren't fan theories about, like, each font in the title. Because I remember when that title <laughs> card came out and people were like, this is big graphic design is my passion energy. Like, why are there so many different letterings? And so I'm surprised there's not, like, fan theories a la WandaVision for all of that. But, no, I'm I'm excited for Loki. I'm excited to see, like, the response to Loki, given how popular he's been especially on like tumblr and that part of the avengers fandom like i'm very excited to see him kind of get his own show in that context so but the poster is just a poster at the end of the day I'll tell you and what I mean, tell you what got me excited though the banter between mm, owen wilson yes. and tom hiddleston during yeah. that uh falcon and winter soldier live mm -hmm. event thing that they did yesterday that has me excited for loki mm -hmm. wow. <laughs> wow that's how i felt watching that Owen Wilson in the MCU, sign me up. I know. I'm, I'm, you know, the, my biggest takeaway from that poster was that if we really like look in to like the detailing, like the K is obviously Mephisto, like the K in Loki. <laughs> you know, we just it. it's it's Mephisto. And that's today's show. And that's, yeah. that's today's show. Thanks for watching. We're out of here. I counted. I counted six hairs on his head. They were in a hexagonal. That's shape. what I'm saying. I saw. Yeah. No. I'm done. We're moving on. I hate that. I hate it here. Secret Invasion cast uh, Kingsley Benadire as its main villain. And if you're like me, you saw Kingsley Ben and villain and thought Mandarin. <laughs> I couldn't have been the only one. I could not. Somebody back me up here. No, I, I I initially like very quickly reading that headline was like, oh whoa, that's uh that's interesting. <laughs> what what do we got here? Not not to take anything away from uh, from what we got, but yes, immediately that I was like, whoa, okay. But again, there's you know now the spec. Here's where I'm going to put my speculation hat on, right? Oh, because boy. he's very he's very clearly super scroll. Like that, uh, yeah, I was going to say just, super scroll. That right? just has to yeah. be it. I'm not yeah. I'm not thinking I'm thinking I'm not over. thinking he's he's we scroll solved queen. Uh, the scroll queen. I'm thinking he's probably super scroll. Probably, yeah. Hopefully. I, I'm, I am honestly nervous about Secret Invasion. It's one of my favorite comic events. And I think that it's going to really kind of dial back the scale of the comic inevitably. There's no way they go yeah. as big as the comic on the Disney Plus show. That mm -hmm. comic involved everybody. And when I asked Kevin Feige about this, I think back before WandaVision came out, I think on a Phase Zero interview. Uh, he said he was just like, if it was as big as the comic, it'd be bigger than Endgame. We're not chasing that. This is a Samuel L. Jackson showcase. It's a Ben Mendelsohn showcase. I mean, that sounds really cool, and I think the show, show could be very exciting. But I, I think it's going to be you're going to have to temper your expectations if you're anything like me, because I want it to be. I want to see Jessica Drew try to convince Tony Stark that he's a scroll. <laughs> I want to see all of these, like all of the Avengers, be unsure of. Who is a scroll and who's not? So yeah. I, I also think maybe that kind of just leads us into Captain Marvel too. If Agreed. depending on when Secret Invasion comes out and we save the big invasion story for the movies, I mean, what what do you guys? Well, think? I think I think I think that's the thing, right? Like Secret Invasion, 
it, uh, like that it may literally be what that show is right like it may just it shows the the infiltration of uh Jim, i don't know, want to say anything but on your hands i just saw a marvel sniper <laughs> Your, uh, what was that? Oh my gosh! I was like, "Does Jim know something? Does Jim, is Jim saying too much? Too much?" <laughs> no, I think I think this is this is literally going to be. I think this is going to be set up. This is going to be the infiltration. This is going to to show us, um, you know, everything and, and kind of set it up. Now, do I feel um, a, a little cheated that they're using the name Secret Invasion for this? Uh, yeah, a little bit because I think you know a lot of people have very fond memories of that event for, for a lot of people like civil war was a very big event for a lot of comic fans definitely changed the game in a way that, you know, in comics that, that hadn't been done before, but I think secret invasion had so much mystery behind it and like literal. And I think took it to another level that a lot of the new fans that may have come in from civil war and immediately jumped into secret invasion thinking that like, Oh crap, some of my favorite heroes may actually be scrolls and are not real and haven't been here for the last 10 years is a, is a big deal. And so, so to, so to not have that, like, so like that, that's why I love the whole idea about secret invasion. That's where I think, I think we're going to get a lot of setup, a lot of backstory, and then it inevitably becomes, I don't know what they call it, but like an event type movie uh, down, down the line for sure. Yeah, I would. I and Civil War didn't really replicate the comics to. I mean, like in its essentials, yes, but it was very different from the comics. Uh, in also in scale, so you know they can change those things and they can still deliver. So we'll see what happens. Oh yeah, we'll see what absolutely. Happens. Well, and also I would argue, like I would rather have Secret Invasion be its own entity. Like I, in hindsight, part of me wants would have wanted Civil War to just be an Avengers movie. Like I would have wanted a proper third Captain America movie that wasn't just an adaptation of Civil War at the same time. So like part of me likes the fact that we're not just having Captain Marvel 2 be Secret Invasion. Like we are treating Secret Invasion as its own thing. And if it bleeds into Captain Marvel 2, then that's cool. But it isn't just trying to like jam this entire event into her solo movie. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and and that's the beautiful thing about the Disney Plus shows is that now Marvel can really just set things up and and do some extra storytelling before we get to the movies. So now the movies can just be so much more epic than they were before because Mm -hmm. now Marvel can do some extra storytelling building up to the movies. And I feel that Secret Invasion, what WandaVision is to Spider-Man No Way Home and Doctor Strange and the Multiverse of Madness, Secret Invasion will be that to Captain Marvel 2, and they'll definitely just lay the groundwork and lay the foundation for that movie with the scrolls invading Earth with Nick Fury and Sword. With the way WandaVision ended, I wouldn't be surprised if we see Monica Rambeau in that show. So it, it's it's awesome to see that now with Secret Invasion, they're just laying down the groundwork, hopefully, just for us to see some bigger things go down in Captain Marvel 2. I'm going to be completely honest. I will be a bit bummed out if we start seeing that uh, these shows save all the big events for the movies. Like, I loved WandaVision yeah. as a whole, but it ultimately felt like, well, are they it saving could- the big stuff for mm-hmm. Doctor Strange? Mm-hmm. Like, Falcon and Winter Soldier were only one episode in, so who knows? But I mean, I, I think this first episode's very good, but yeah. I, I, I just kind of wonder, are they just going to give us kind of, are these going to end up being just kind of entertaining weekly ads for right. the movies? I think that is a bitter pill you should try and force and swallow down now because that's yeah. probably the inevitability. Brandon, I'm sorry. But they're never yeah. going to kill off a major character on a Disney Plus show. Oh no, but, I don't know. I don't think. I don't, I don't think that. I mean, they may they may do that, but I think the the big question here is right. Like knowing that Secret Invasion is in play, and this is going to be a question question for the group. Who is the first Marvel hero that you believe 
will be revealed to be a scroll. Oof, that's mm. that's tough. I'm not going to say hero, but part of me is like, can Hawkeye's entire family just be scrolls? Like, can, oh, we just, wow. can we just do that just so like you can? I I like I like what they've eventually come to with Hawkeye, but I remember in Age of Ultron just being like, why are you giving him a family? Like, I kind of want the Matt Fraction Hawkeye that is just off on his own doing whatever. Like, if you if he if the family is in the Hawkeye show, that that I'm totally fine with that. But I know there's been kind of a joking theory for years. It's like just let them all be scrolls, just so he can kind of do his own thing. So I it's don't actually, know. That's, my first that's, that's actually not a bad idea. Mm-hmm. Um, Brandon, who do you think? Oh, you're still thinking. All right, Supes, we'll go to you. Uh, you, look, you look like you got someone on your mind. I was going to say Rhodey. Oh. I think Rhodey would be an interesting one, you know? Ro- uh, Rhodey makes sense. Yeah, yeah. He kind of inserted his ties in, like, the government. Mm-hmm. Did, did his things there. Inserted himself in, in S.H.I.E.L.D. and the Avengers. And now he's just kind of chilling back, and we know he's going to get his own shore with Ar- Armor Wars. But uh, yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna go I'm gonna go a little little OG and a, a, a just big tie to Secret Invasion the event. But like I think when you put the pieces together, it works. Hank Pym. Hank Pym was a scroll all along. No, I don't think he's been a scroll all along. But I think Hank Pym as a character theoretically has been around for a long time, and there are definitely gaps in that character's history where he could have easily been plucked out and replaced um, as as a scroll. So I'm uh, I'm putting money on Hank Pym. I like. That. I think I think Hulk could end up being a scroll. Ooh. He's just a big okay. green. He was yeah. a scroll the whole time. Partially because I partially because Soups <laughs> took my answer, but also because <laughs> I, I mean, listen. Hulk as a scroll. If there's a scroll that can make himself that big and gigantic and convincingly do it, I think that'd be really entertaining. And I mean, who is more dangerous as an enemy than an uncontrollable rage monster? You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So I don't know. I like Hulk. All right. Anyway. Yeah, yeah. I'm just I'm I'm with you, BD. Like I really don't want like right after Wandavision and after I think we can all, we can all agree that Wandavision could have been way bigger in in scale than what we actually got. And the show was amazing. The ending was amazing, but it could have been way bigger. So now going into Falcon and the Winter Soldier, this first episode was great, but I'm just kind of taking a back seat and I'm just like, I'm just waiting to see how big Marvel is willing to go on Disney Plus. Yeah. Because WandaVision, again, WandaVision could have been way bigger than what it was. So we're, we're just kind of waiting to see how big they're willing to go. So, Cause it could just be, these shows could just be, you know, teasers for the bigger That's, events, which yeah. are the movies. And I mean, I, I honestly think WandaVision may have suffered from like the COVID delays. I think there may have 100%. been a bigger plan for the ending. Yeah, and, I, and, and I think they just do a really good job of not harping on that stuff. Like if this was a Warner Brothers movie, I think everybody would be coming out and be like, we were going to bring in Doctor Strange and we were going to bring in, we were going to introduce you to all these characters. Moon Knight was going to be there. We couldn't do it because of COVID. We had a way better ending. Josh Trank would be out here kind of being like, well, I had something else planned. Nah, I don't mean to shade Josh Trank. His, his story actually is pretty unbelievable. But uh, no, I just, I, but like you don't see that from Marvel. They don't kind of harp on what could have been. I think it's partially because they signed their life away on NDAs and they can't. Uh, so I don't know. Anyway, yeah, I think Wandavision may have had a bigger ending, and they ended up kind of reducing it, and it, it worked. Like I still love Wandavision, 1,000%. but I, I do wonder. You know, Falcon and Winter Soldier may have also suffered similarly because they had to shoot during uh, pick up shooting after a delay. But we'll see. Uh, we're going to talk all about Falcon and Winter Soldier spoilers in just a minute here. Venom: Let There Be Carnage is delayed from June to September seventeenth. Not really particularly devastated about that. 
Uh, I do want to see the movie, but I, if I had to pick one to get delayed between Black Widow and Venom, I'll push Venom back. Here's the thing. It was originally scheduled for June 25th. Black Widow is seven weeks from now, May 7th. They're saying, who said this? Bob Chapik, I think, said Black Widow is going to be a last-minute decision. Yeah. Uh, I don't know how you market a multi-hundred-million-dollar movie at the last minute. I guess you don't really have to because it's Marvel and we'll just market it for you. So, <laughs> I, I, I mean, listen, I got to go back to a theater this week to see Godzilla vs. Kong. We've had this conversation. Jamie, who uh, has hosted the show with us before, is in L.A., It where – you know, things aren't as shaping up as well as they are here in Nashville, obviously getting better, not a hundred percent. So people are more comfortable here to go to theaters versus California. It mm -hmm. depends on where you are. It depends on who you and who you live with, who you are, you know, things like that. So hopefully Black Widow comes out on May 7th. I, I don't know. What do you got? You think they're going to push it back? You think they're going to decide Disney plus I don't think they're going to go Disney Plus. It's going to be, a, again, like Bob said, like a very last second kind of thing. But they've already pumped out so much money into marketing the show. Like we saw the final, we saw all of the trailers. We saw the final trailer. We saw all of the TV spots. So at this point, uh, you know, when it comes to the fans, I feel like we're just at the point where like, let's just watch it already. So I think they might go ahead and bite the bullet and release this just because theaters just started opening up in LA. Theaters are back in Cali where uh, it seems to be like the final state that's like uh, mm -hmm. kind of just like on the yeah. back end because everything's opened up in Florida. Nashville, things yeah. are getting better. So I think they might buy the, bite the bullet and actually attempt to to open up Black Widow well, in theaters. Actually, I think the, the, the other thing that we're missing too, like the big market that also just opened up is New York. Mm -hmm. And so yeah. if the next couple of weeks go well in New York – and, you know, some of the, the regulations start to, to ease back in uh, California, there, there may be a chance. And here's the thing. Will Black Widow make anywhere near the money, even on a restricted theater basis? There's no way it's going to make as much money as um, as it would if all theaters were fully open. And so so there may be a hybrid model, right? Maybe yeah. it opens in theaters one weekend and then goes to premiere access the next weekend or in two weekends after. So that way you can still get that theater experience. You still, for people who are still uncomfortable can still have, uh, can still go see it with everyone else. Cause I think that's the thing, you're right. You run the risk of everyone's going to go see it in theaters and then it just becomes uh, just a spoiler haven, right? Like mm -hmm. everyone's going to be talking about it. So you're going to miss out on that. Fa those fans who don't want to, have the movie spoiled for them. And so you got to give them something too. Uh, so it'll be interesting to see how, how they do it. I think if anything, Disney has always gotten creative. And I think this is going to be another instance where they will also get creative. The one thing I do want to mention about Venom though, that getting pushed back has me really concerned because I have a feeling much like what we saw with Falcon and Winter Soldier and some of the, and some of these other movies like Eternals, we're going to get, our first looks at mm -hmm. Carnage and any of the other characters via Funko Pops, T-shirts, 
bad licensing art, etc. And that's <laughs> that's the part of this move that that upsets me because I'm actually excited for Venom 2. I'm so really curious. I'm really curious to see what they do with uh, with Carnage and how that looks and if they introduce some of the other symbiotes or whatever. Um, but it's going to be it'll be really interesting and we're inevitably going to get spoiled by merchandise. I will say, like, Venom moving, though, it does feel much more of a spookier movie, so having it closer to Halloween does make more sense to me. Like, I am kind of happy with the mood in that re- move in that regard. But, like, yeah, I am just dreading the inevitable, like, carnage action figure that somehow spoils what he looks like. Like, that is just kind of a, an inevitability at this point. But, like, with Black Widow, I agree with Jim completely. Like, a hybrid release seems like it might be the best way to go because I know I personally, I would be willing to pay $30 in the way that I haven't for Mulan or Raya to be able to just sit at home and watch Black Widow and feel the comfort of not having to go to a theater. So, But I know other people want to, and so I think offering the option for both might be the best way to go. Yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm okay with the hybrid release. I mean, it, you know, it, you can't... I, I don't think you can force people out to theaters, uh, and I don't think you can tell people, well, if you don't go, you're going to miss out. So uh, I think it's a... I, I don't know. I think by May 7th, things are going to look very different, too. I think we're really... Things are changing so quickly right now and getting better at a really great rate. Hopefully that continues. Like, obviously, COVID cases are dropping pretty quickly, uh, especially mm-hmm. by comparison to a month ago. They're much mm-hmm. lower. And then a month before that, much lower than that. So hopefully that continues. Hopefully vaccines and everybody continues to get healthy and safe. And uh, maybe by May 7th, the conversation is just, it's obviously safe. I mean, in a, in a nice world, but who knows? A, anyway, a lot can yeah. happen in four weeks. Yeah, A lot can happen in four weeks, and we have seven. So they're waiting till that last <laughs> minute, which is probably the smartest play by them to just keep quiet and make the decision late. And finally, the last thing, New Master 69's identity has been revealed in a commercial for the Falcon and the Winter Soldier uh, and Xbox. And I think maybe it was a GameStop commercial, GME to the moon, let's go. They, The guy who works at GameStop told Anthony Mackie, I don't know if he was playing Sam Wilson or if he was playing Anthony Mackie in the commercial, but he said, by the way, my gamer tag is New Master 69. My cousin made it. So the mystery is resolved. On that note, we're going to take a quick break here, uh, pay the bills and do all that stuff. And when we come back from about a 60-second break here, we will be talking full spoilers on the Falcon and the Winter Soldier premiere. Please stay tuned and follow our channel on Twitch now. Let's talk about the Falcon and the Winter Soldier. Let's Ooh, go. Let's do it. I'm ready. Is you ready? <laughs> I'm ready, bro. Uh, let's, ju- let's start with some overall reaction soups. Take us home here. What did, what did you think of this first episode? Dude, I loved it. First of all, the entire marketing for this show has been the relationship between these two people. I'm like losing my place. <laughs> Are they holding hands two- on your hat? Uh, no, they're just walking side by side. That would have been very romantic. <laughs> I'm just going to uh, say they're holding hands. I would just want to yeah. pretend that they are. Yeah. Yes. But um, the entire marketing for this show has been the dynamic between these two characters. And we got zero of that in this episode. But for me, that's shocking because how could the episode have been this good? And we got zero of the dynamic between Bucky and Sam. This episode started off fast. We're back to that classic MCU thriller. And that opening itself set the tone for the type of action we're going to see in this series. Then the rest of the episode just kind of gave us that that spotlight on Bucky and Sam, not necessarily as Avengers, but as human beings, as regular people in this crazy MCU. So I love this episode from beginning to end, and I thought it did a great job in setting up the individual storylines for each character. Bucky with PTSD, Sam with the mantle of Captain America, 
And now moving forward, this is where the show really starts. Uh, yeah, I want to uh, point out a comment here from Dottie Layla. Why didn't BD get a promo box? I, I'm at, I've been asking the same question all morning. Uh, Soup's got the this big wooden Look, I'm gonna show it. Falcon and Winter Soldier box. I didn't, so I'm boycotting the show. I'm all out, right. Done. Look at this thing. Look wow. at this box he's got. Look, Look at, at that. Edged Look at that in. thing. And then- what do I have to do? What do I have to do? No, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. I'm, I mean, I am jealous, but I'm not that mad about it. Uh, listen, listen. So I, I respect the flex by soups there. Listen, uh, it's an interesting point that they were not in the episode together, Falcon and Winter Soldier. This was the Falcon or the Winter Soldier for the first episode, which is very interesting. But uh, I, I, I'm not as high on the episode as you are, soups. I liked it. I certainly, mm-hmm. like, I don't really have any gripes with it. I just, it didn't kind of... Get me excited the same way it got you excited, I guess. I love that opening action sequence. I think Kari Skoglin did a fantastic job. We have an interview with her coming up in just a few minutes. Uh, and uh, it just – I love the dive into Bucky's mental health. I think that's really fantastic. It makes me almost feel bad for being so mad at Bucky for killing the Starks, although I am still mad. And I think <laughs> that Sam with his family is really cool, although I do have a hard time believing an Avenger can't get alone. Jenna, what did you think? But, but that's – I mean, want to hear what Jenna thinks, but I want to I want to go back to that. The yeah, there the was way more loan talk and like just business talk than I was expecting in this episode. <laughs> it was like, all right, Friday morning, I'm learning some things about loans. This is good to go. Um, but um, no, I I'm kind of I'm in the middle probably between where Soups and Brandon are. I Captain America: Winter Soldier is my all time favorite MCU movie. Like that is the hill that I will die on for the rest of my life. And like this captures the energy of that, but with like more of a less dire feeling to it in this first episode like i love the character work that's going on there like the bucky scenes were definitely that that's the bucky that i've been reading in fan fiction for like a decade and i've been wanting (laughs) to actually see in live action but he's just been off to the side like saying like three lines a movie and that's it but this kind of definitely got into the the way that he is as his own person and i really loved that i think part of it for me having already like after seeing the Snyder cut and how much it just goes for everything I was kind of like this is really good but it it I wanted to kind of like I wanted it to do more I wanted it to excite me a little bit more but I still did really enjoy it and I'm really excited to see where it goes next it was just like not as much as I was expecting mm-hmm. yeah well I think I think that's one of the I don't want to say it's the flaws of the the structure. For me, the episode was very was a little uneven. Um, I I liked uh, a lot. I like what it does to set up a lot of things, but it just felt like it it was very uneven, especially opening with an action sequence like that. Yeah. That was probably one of the best action sequences in the MCU. Period. Like best it was Falcon action easily. It was so yeah. it oh, was yeah. so good. But then, uh, but then, it, like it really, you go from that, which is okay. This is what I'm used to with the MCU, whenever, and it almost takes a complete right turn and goes, okay. But now here's the reality of the situation, right? Like it immediately takes you back and says, this is a post blip era where things are not great. Things are things have not been good, right? They're still dealing with the fact that people have just shown up out of nowhere after being gone for five years, and I think. It's interesting to see it play out on on Falcon's side, right? Like there's very it's the MCU to me can be at its best when it's the most grounded. And this in this very much grounds, you know, th- that whole that whole, you know, s- storyline very much grounds um the the MC, you know, the MCU in that way. And then, you know, one of the biggest things that yeah, everyone loved about about WandaVision, right? Was like the, the at the core of WandaVision story was, you know, the story about uh 
uh, Wanda and her grief and and all that. And I love that we're also getting able, being able to play, not play, right? Because that's a, that's the right word, but uh, experience the the you know almost the grief that uh, Bucky Barnes and and Falcon are going through. In look, look, they just they have lost their best friend. They have lost their mentor. Uh, they each have their own different baggage to carry, and that's the baggage that we're we're kind of experiencing in this gritty, you know, through line of of the MCU. And so I'm excited to see more. Uh, but like just the way that this episode was kind of structured, because they're like you had that action, and then it got very serious, and then you had some jokes here or there, and then it got you know, then it went a little you know, then Bucky's on a date, and you're like, okay, what's going on? And then you have you know a few more jokes, and then it gets super serious again, and then you have that. Like in the the split second of the very last split second of the episode, where you get that effing wink from John Walker, immediately makes him someone you hate so so <laughs> yeah yeah. I, sat, I, sat, I took that wink personal. Yeah, I said that out loud this morning to my boyfriend. I was like, I love how this entire reveal at the end of the episode is just like, I don't trust that guy. That guy seems shady. Like, no, general audiences are not going to know anything about him. And it's just like, the way that they introduce him. It's just like, nah, there's just bad, bad vibes here. Like, I don't know how to feel. So I was just like, they did a very good job in that regard. He honestly just looks like such a dork in that helmet. Mm-hmm. Like he doesn't okay, yeah, look the, like the, the helmet has <laughs> always looked dorky. It's absolutely never not. You stop. Steve Rogers looked great in that helmet. No, it's always Steve, looked. Nah, dorky. Nah, it, it's never. Nah, it's never looked dorky. It just looks dorky on U.S. Agent. <laughs> yeah, U.S. Agent looks like a like an oaf. Uh, he like, looks like, like Carl Steve from Oaf. Yeah, that, I've seen tweets of that. Yeah. Yeah, uh, don't you dis Jim Viscardi? Did hey, hey, comment section hashtag Jim Viscardi is over party. There is only there is only one there is only one uh, helmet that Cap has worn that has looked good, and, and and we talked about it before the show. It's the it's from the the Winter Soldier where he's in his Super Soldier costume, where it's like the the star and the th- you know flag lines mm-hmm. coming out to the side. That helmet where it's also got the chin strap or whatever. That's the only helmet that looks no. good. On Steve no. Rogers, <laughs> you shut your mouth. You shut your dirty End mouth game. right now. Nothing makes nothing can make Chris Evans look bad. You stop that, it. That's true. Yeah. You stop it. Chris Evans wear any helmet he wants. Chris Evans. <laughs> the only thing that can make Chris Evans look bad is a full face helmet for a motorcycle, <laughs> where you can't even see it. <laughs> Jim Scardi is over party. The comments. Oh, I've never seen here. the. I've never seen the comments fly by so fast. Look what you did, Jim. You're not on next week's show. That's it, everybody. I'm making the decision now. Jim is out next week. <laughs> and, oh, anyway. Uh, wow, that was that was unexpected. Uh, let's. We got to get back to our notes here. Uh, <laughs> the the. Uh, I stand really by enjoyed- what I said. I, I I want to point out that if this was an episode of WandaVision, we would all when, when that guy uh, what was what was Falcon's friend, Sam's friend's name from the military who was he was working Torres. with in this episode Torres. Torres when he was talking to Torres when Torres said I heard you oh, put yeah. Cap on a bunker on the moon <laughs> every single one of us would be red circle on the thumbnail Magneto other side of the moon like moon in humans coming to the MCU in oh, finally happening in humans he said, confirmed he said Cap on the moon I said not today. Mm-mm. <laughs> No, I can't. We, we're do not. This we're not day. falling for anything. We're not falling no, for anything this time uh-uh. around. But, but speaking you, of Taurus, can we can we talk about how low key, like it, like out of nowhere, they've they've introduced this character Torres, and now like it could very well be Joaquin Torres, who you know inevitably becomes the Falcon. Like out of all of the marketing, mm-hmm. literally Girl. weeks of this stuff, 
We had like it just like he went totally under the radar. Here he is, almost the star, like one of the stars of the first episode, and now we're already excited for what he can possibly become. I love yeah. that. I think that was such a great decision because it was so unexpected in a way that was really rewarding at the same time. Yeah. Yep. He's obviously yeah. the new Mephisto. Yo, and I'm, and I, I don't know about you guys. I'm sorry when that guy got stepped when he he got bashed oh, like into the ground. Like worry. he should have died. Like he should have died. But that super soldier, yeah. he got pounded. He I got mean, you like, thrown down onto the ground and stomped. You're you're not coming back from that. You're just not. I mean, woof. He had, like a bruise on his face when he was facetiming Sam. Like, dude, you can't even. You wouldn't even be able to talk. I know. I did. I I really loved having Rhodey in this episode. And oh, I specifically love the choice. This is actually something I talked with Kari about in the interview we're going to play in just a few minutes. Uh, I love how when when Sam was talking about how some heroes are no longer with us, it, and he was specifically talking about Cap, it showed Rhodey. And it, to me, I, and I don't think this was the intention, but to me it was like, ah, uh, Tony's also gone because Rhodey has been on that journey with us for so long on, at Tony's side. Uh, and it really just set in, you know, these legacy characters are going to be, uh, or these characters are going to be the legacy after what, Steve and Tony and Thor and Natasha all started. Uh, and we still have Thor. Who knows how long? I hope Chris Hemsworth stays with this forever so we never have to lose Thor. I can't take any more loss. But uh, <laughs> it, it's going to be very interesting to see how they have to build up these new characters and stuff. Uh, and I just like seeing Rhodey there. I also like, like the line where Rhodey said, allies are now enemies. Maybe I'm putting my WandaVision cap on. But, I mean, is that a Scarlet yeah. Witch reference? That's what, That's how I took it. This That's is like, after oh, the one division. Yeah, I, I can see it. I saw it more as probably global politically, just because. Yeah, uh, the, the I saw the political the angle immediately. Yep. Yeah. Well, can we can we talk about though, like how every government organization in the MCU, like even the regular government organizations, are just like awful and shitty? <laughs> like, yeah. what? I mean, it's the real world. What do you mean? <laughs> it's very it's reflective. Like, it's just like holy moly. But I also thought it was weird in that scene with Rhodey, where you've got all this cap stuff, right? And then you've got the Hydra logo there, right? I like, know. It just seemed really weird and out of place. Like, I get it, right? You want to show, you know, the, the history there. But, like, that's almost like just putting straight up Nazi propaganda in, like, a memorial to, you know, the state's biggest hero of all time. It just felt, felt a little weird. I know. I was weirded out by that. And then, like, the little Winter Soldier symbol that, like, only exists on Marvel's merch. And I'm just like, <laughs> yeah. this does not exist in the universe in and of itself. Like, this is not how people would symbolize Winter Soldier as his mm -hmm. own thing. And it was like, this is just so funny to just see this plastered all over the exhibit. And then, yeah, that and the Hydra of it all. I was like, this is so distracting. That was all I could focus on. Yeah. <laughs> John Walker. Let's talk about John Walker, guys. Uh, John Walker. I, I said he looks like a dork. People might not know who he is. Uh, from my perspective, mm -hmm. this character, I think he's going to end up being kind of the butt of the show. Like, the, like he's going to be subjected to jokes. I think he's going to be kind of a gray area on whether he's good or bad. Like, I think he's mm -hmm. just going to want to be Cap. I don't think he's going to be an outright villain. But yeah. I think he's going to kind of just be subjected to he inherited the shield. He wants to keep the shield. And I think by the end of it, he might be like, you know what? Good call. This thing isn't mine. And when Sam finally is just like, give me it. Yeah, I, I mean, well, John Walker is a very interesting character because of the fact that they have they've barely used him for the marketing of the show. I mean, they've how many times have we seen that one shot of him walking out onto the field? And that's pretty much all we've gotten of you as agent in terms of the marketing for the Falcon and the Winter Soldier. But when it comes to John Walker, man, because the show is diving so deep into PTSD, I think we're going to see more of this character 
fleshed out and we're going to actually get to see more of him dealing with PTSD as a soldier, as a, as an army veteran. And I think it'll, it'll lend itself very well to like Bucky's side plot and the way Bucky copes with all of, all of that and his mental health and maybe helping John cope with his own mental health and all, all of that stuff as they can kind of like sympathize with each other because they're both like army mm-hmm. veterans. So I think we're going to get to see more of John Walker as a character because now we just know him as like U.S. agent, the figure, Captain America, the next Captain America. Hashtag not my cap. But uh, <laughs> Falcons that Layla's in the comments calling him Walmart cap. So. <laughs> Walmart cap. Yes. Uh, poor Wyatt Russell. He's going to have to deal with this for so long. So long. His, his Instagram comments are all going to be hashtag no my cap, Walmart cap. <laughs> He's going to get posted, bro. Oh, go on Wyatt's uh, Instagram and comment hashtag Jim is over party. Stop <laughs> it. <laughs> no. I, I do want to say this agent, though, like before we move on, like I, I wrote not to not to plug my own stuff, but I did write a piece no, that ahead, got published yesterday. That, um, that was basically breaking down when U.S. agent was introduced. He kind of symbolized like a very specific turn in patriotism just in popular culture yeah. of like very much the Reagan era and this sense of like, oh, well, the the old man that is Steve Rogers doesn't understand what it's like to be an American today. And so that's me reclaiming it. And so I don't necessarily know if John Walker is going to be full villain or full hero or some sort of gray area. But I think that kind of turning point that he represents is really, really interesting in today's context, like almost more so than since when they filmed the show. And so I am very curious to see what that means of like, you ostensibly have this man who is like, I'm entitled to the shield. Like I, he has his own trauma. He has his own justification for why he deserves the shield, but it's like this kind of white male entitlement that I think is going to be really interesting to explore through him because it feels unbelievably relevant looking at where things are right now so i'm honestly the most excited to see what they do with him because i genuinely don't know where they're gonna go mm-hmm. uh dotty commented i ordered cap from wish and i got John Walker. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh wow oh, that's a, but like here's the thing right like right like you know just like what we talked about in uh the last episode of of wandavision right like are we really going to be dealing with another kind of copycat villain here just as far as like power sets and all that. Cause like, we still haven't even really touched on what the flag smashers are and yeah. the role that they're going to play. And so there's still and, right in Zemo. We didn't even get Zemo at all uh, Zemo. here. And so, so there's still a lot to come. And I think this is yeah. like, you know, I was, you know, I wasn't necessarily too hot on this first episode, but I'm still sold on the premise. I'm still excited for uh, what things are to come. And, and I think we just got to be patient, man. Yeah. yeah, I want to talk about uh, I want to talk about Bucky real quick before we wrap up. Sorry to cut you off, Soups. No, you're uh, good. I do uh, one thing I want to point out. I like how they had him sleeping on the floor. That's a nice touch because if you remember, I think it was Winter Soldier when Sam and when Steve talk about coming yes. home from war, and they said the mattress feels like a marshmallow. You're just gonna fall into it, or, or be like you're not gonna be able to get out of it because it's too soft after going to war. And they had Bucky sleeping on the floor dealing with his PTSD. So uh, to to Jenna's point, I really think that is gonna be in. Uh, an emotional important part of this show and I, and I really like that they they had that moment in there it's, it's a subtle moment that like fans are going to notice uh, and appreciate uh the the twist of him having killed his his buddy's son wow uh, I, I mean i love the the winter soldier flashback i thought mm-hmm. that action sequence was great great to see him burst through a wall and just be in brainwash remind us of the terror like expose us really mm-hmm. to the things he was forced to do but uh, that was emotional right there. I mean, Bucky just can't win for losing, you mm-hmm. know? 
Yeah, and, and that kind of leads into like one of the points my I was speaking with a friend and she, she made this point from this episode. And in this episode, we individually focus on Sam and, and Bucky. And with Sam, his journey is finding himself to be worthy enough to be the next Captain America. Well, with Bucky, it's almost like he's finding himself worthy enough to just be a human and just be a regular mm-hmm. person. Yeah. Like we see him on that date and he just, he leaves because like, it's almost like he feels like he's not even worthy to be in front of this girl having a regular conversation because he's, he killed uh, Yori's son and he's done all of these horrendous things. And now he's kind of coming to terms. So while Sam is trying to, you know, find himself to be worthy enough to be Cap, Bucky's trying to find himself to be worthy to just be a, a human and just be a regular person. I, these comments have me laughing despite the very serious conversation we're having here. People are calling him Bucket Barnes. <laughs> Bucket. I mean, yeah. these comments are just well. It's but like, but uh, that, but that's the that's the one of the greatest things I think about you know Bucky as a character. And, well, that, and that's one of the greatest things about this sh- uh, these shows, right? Like, what w- we got with WandaVision is we got a, a like a full kind of exploration around the characters of Wanda and Vision and, and all that, and we're gonna get that same kind of examination with both uh, Falcon and, and Winter Soldier. And I think both of them have such interesting histories, mm-hmm. and and I think especially the way that those characters play off one another, right? Like they made a joke, uh, I think during the, the pre- during the press tour, basically that like, if it wasn't for the scene of uh, Cap kissing Sharon and the two of them having that moment in the back of the car, this show would not exist. And, and, it, and it's because of like those moments that we're going to get things like this. And so I'm really interested to see how, just because we saw how, how well, the you know, Marvel Studios dealt with the concept of grief. I'm very curious to see how they deal with concept of depression, uh, especially you know on uh, on uh, Bucky's side, and how they deal with uh, you know with race race relations and whatever. But I think also too, like the thing that I want to mention because I know we got to get to the interview and whatever is. Um, I think you've lost Brandon. I think you've just. I've totally, lost I've totally him. lost Brandon. These comments uh, are killing it's me. The chat, bro. It's the chat. <laughs> but, but also, I'm, I'm listening to everyone. How, like, how, how, how can I focus when people are dropping comments like the Wiener Soldier? How is there no? How is there no money for superheroes? Uh huh. How is that a thing? I know. Yeah, I mean, I, that was a, it was a fair question during the show. It was a fair question to ask. You know, how do the Avengers make money? I just think these comments are funny. Oh, I'm so sorry. Listen, if we don't get Alpine on this show, I'm boycotting. I already didn't get a box. I want to see Bucky's cat. Uh, the comments want to see the cat. I want to see the cat. I want to see a white little cat following Bucky around. That's what I want. That's what I want. Uh, I do want to tell. I do want to tell a funny story. I've I've mentioned this on Twitter, and people have asked me to tell this story about when I met Sebastian Stan for the first time. Uh, and people oh. probably know what I'm talking about, oh, <laughs> but I'm going to fully, I'm going to finally tell the story and then we're going to, and then we're going to toss it over to the, to the interview because I'm going to have to run out of here. So the interview is how we're going to end the show today. Uh, but so I was at wizard world in Philadelphia, I believe it was. And, uh, we were all staying at the same hotel. It was Chris Evans, Chris Hemsworth, Sebastian Stan and Haley Atwell. And we all went down to the, uh, to the hotel. I wasn't with them. We just, I happened to be at the same hotel bar. I say we all went. Yeah. Chris Evans texted me, said, come on, we're going to the bar. No, absolutely not. They don't, don't know who I am. But uh, so I went into the, we, you know, it was late night. It was Saturday after a convention. We all had a, had a few drinks. Uh, I was you know, like, I wish I was at the table with the cool kids, but I was sitting by myself at the bar and I went over to the bathroom, washing my hands. And I look up, washing my hands. 
in the mirror, I see Sebastian Stan standing next to me. And I was just like, and I, as if we were old friends, was just like, what's up, Seb? <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> I can't believe you and called it, him Seb. As if we were like, as if we our families were friends together. And I immediately saw the error in my ways. And I was like, I should have not approached. I should have not said anything to this man in the bathroom at all. And he just was like, he was very friendly. He was like, hey, man. And uh, dried my hands off. He beat me to the door. He opened the door. What did I do? Tripped over his foot. Fell out of the bathroom. Mm. So uh, that's no. that's how my first encounter with the Winter Soldier went. Wow. And that's that's the story that haunts me about Sebastian Stan for the rest of my life. Fortunately, I think he forgot because we did an interview for this show. You can find it on YouTube on comicbook.com's YouTube channel. He was great. He didn't bring it up. I don't think he remembers. <laughs> oh, wow. What a nice guy. <laughs> I could hardly be the first person to trip over his foot. Bro, he, Come on. He, he's the Winter Soldier. He got his brain wiped. Yeah, yeah. Thank you. Thank you. Exactly. So he didn't that. intimidate you with a glass of milk. Like, at least Listen. that. <laughs> That scene in Winter Soldier just still stays with me. Oh yeah, that would have been. I might. I might not even work here anymore. If, uh, <laughs> I, I might never show, have shown my face again. Falcon's not one hundred percent. He remembers. No, stop it. Stop it. I know so the Winter Soldier said he remembers every one of them. Sebastian Stan does not. Okay. So listen, that's that's going to be today's show. I promised I would tell that story eventually. I finally told it. Uh, listen, thank you for watching today's show. We're going to end it on the, our interview with the Falcon and the Winter Soldier, director Kari Skoglin, because I have to run out of here. Uh, if you want to talk about the Snyder Cut, I love that movie. I know Jenna really liked that movie. Jim very much like that movie. Soups, I know you love that movie. So hit us up on social media. We'll talk more about it. Uh, I wish we could talk all day uh, on here, but unfortunately, it's my fault. I have to cut us short today. So <laughs> listen, Soups, dude, thank you for joining the show. How can we find you? So you guys can find me on Instagram, underscore Soups, underscore on YouTube, Soups, on TikTok, Soups, and then on Twitter, at The Real Soups. So thank you guys for having me on. It was an honor to come on here and talk with you guys. So yeah, I'm excited for the future of just superheroes and entertainment in general. And uh, well, cheers to that. <laughs> yes, sir. And as Jenna pointed out, you can find her awesome writing on comicbook.com. Jenna, how else can we find you? Um, just search, hey, it's Jenna Lynn, basically anywhere, and you'll probably find me. So, Love it. Jim, Jim, anything don't, you want to plug find here? Me. Don't find me. <laughs> <He doesn't laughs> Jim is over. Jim is over party. All right. <laughs> we are, if you have a question for the cast of Godzilla vs. Kong, send it my way right now. If you're listening to this in podcast form, you're already too late. Hit me up at Brandon Davis BD. And right now we're going to end phase zero with our interview, taking a look at the Falcon and the Winter Soldier episode one with director Kari Skoglund. She's awesome. If you enjoyed today's show, please tag your friends, spread the word. Let's build the audience and have some fun with it. We will see you next Friday for the Falcon and the Winter Soldier episode two. I'm so excited to talk to you about this show. Uh, I got to see the first episode. It's a ton of fun. The, the opening action sequence, it is so cool. So I want to start there. You start on an epic sequence uh nobody's ever done falcon action like this before uh in in, a, in any of the many marvel movies that's my goal really to take i we said from the beginning we're going to take you know falcon and the flight and we're going to just make him fly like he's, he's we've never seen him do that before so yes that was really a goal yes you really i caught i caught like almost iron man vibes in the way that the shot was on his face and the, and the interface i caught winter soldier vibes and the gritty highly choreographed stuff but it was all kind of took parts of those, but made it its own unique thing in the, in the best way. I just want to hear, you know, what was, what did you, what was your inspiration for Falcons, both flight and uh, like on his feet uh, action? 
Well, in the case of the flight, uh, I did a lot of studying of what's on the internet in terms of the various action groups that, you know, jump out of planes or uh, parachute or, you know, the, the GoPro kind of, you know, uh, world that is, I think, very experiential. So I wanted us to feel like um, we were with him. And so as compared to being, you know, looking at him, I wanted to feel like we were flying right, you know, lockstep with him. And that's what those cameras um, and that aesthetic has taught us. So, uh, or has, you know, I guess we've evolved with uh, understanding that that's, that's what it is. So it's a particular aesthetic though. And so um, it was tricky, you know, to put that on, on <laughs> all our guys jumping out of planes in squirrel suits and such. Um, but we had an amazing team. In terms of all of the, um, uh, you know, the hand-to-hand the -hand combat or the uh, on the ground, it was all to be um, as real as possible. So obviously everything's quite choreographed for safety reasons and such, and we push the envelope. But, um, and we are dealing, you know, with um, in some cases, super soldiers, and in some cases, you know, with Bucky of it and all that. But it was to be as real and grounded as possible. That was the goal. So scrappier, you know, and uh, it, it doesn't it shouldn't feel should feel unexpected. Yeah, oh, it does. It, it works so well. It was awesome. I am curious. Uh, my my inner Marvel nerd saw Red Wing laser out part of the plane there, and I my brain went, "Is that a Stark Tech reference?" I have to ask. Is that an intentional Stark Tech reference, or am I just looking too far into that? Uh, no, you're looking too far into that. But I mean. <laughs> that Stark Tech isn't involved. It's just not particularly involved. Right. Okay. Fair enough. Thank yeah, you. The world, has, the world has blipped, right? So it's a, it's a new world. That's true. Uh, we also, we, we get an awesome look at Bucky's past as the Winter Soldier in a way we haven't seen before on that front too. Uh, and it's really cool to see Bucky's mental health and the guilt that he's carrying become such an integral part of the show. I love the development we're seeing in Bucky. I want to hear about, you know, what are you going to do with the, the guilt and the mental health that he's carrying into the show after everything he's been through? Well, I think um, one of the most important things to discuss about that is the consequences of his actions. So violence, we never, we don't necessarily ever dig into consequences, right? We have the, the, the violent act and then cinematically we tend to walk away and we forget that there's collateral damage. So he, um, in, his, in his guilt, is dealing with the knowledge that there's collateral damage. And so how do you deal with that? So we'll go on the ride with him, but uh, that's very new, you know, for, for not only the MCU, but for uh, cinema in general, because we tend to avoid that truth. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I, I talked to the boys uh, a few minutes ago, and Anthony oh, actually admitted he's jealous of some of the action scenes that Sebastian gets to be a part of. Who, in your opinion, gets the cooler action moment throughout the show? Oh, I don't know. That's a, a hard one. Uh, Anthony does some pretty awesome, I have to say, uh, they're neck and neck for awesomeness. <laughs> I am curious because we, I, we, I'm sure you're getting questions like from people like me and from people you're talking to all day. And a lot of the stuff we can ask tends to kind of build like hype or promises and expectations. And after going through WandaVision and watching how there was so much talk of actors coming in and stuff like that, do, do you guys, have, have you guys like learned anything from watching the WandaVision press tour in terms of teasing cameos or surprises or anything like that? I think each, uh, you know, what's great about MCU and, and uh, certainly the Marvel of it, everyone is, it's unique in its own, it, it's got its own DNA. So uh, I don't, I, well, they might learn from one for sure. They never try to replicate. It's always a new day, new deal. So um, I would say uh, 
you know, everything has got its own little package. So you will, they'll never try to repeat. Yeah, perfect, perfect, love it. Rhodey, I, I, I love seeing Rhodey in the first episode. I'm a huge Iron Man fan. He started this all, seeing a connection to Iron Man like that was, it, it spoke to me. Uh, and I noticed when, when um, Anthony, when Sam said that Captain America is no longer here, the camera goes to Rhodey. And I'm curious, is that uh, to kind of make us also feel the fact that this world has lost more than Cap? We've also lost Tony. What are we trying to convey to the audience in going to Rhodey in that moment? Well, I think it was uh, to say that the gravitas of the moment and also I think Rhodey wants Sam perhaps to pick up the shield and Sam is not necessarily going to. So somebody, the, the inference is somebody's going to have to. Can the world be without Captain America? Can there be that world? And that's the, quest, that's the question we pose and we go on that journey with Sam. So I think that was the intention there. Can I ask, does Rhodey play any part going forward after the first episode? Well, you know that if I told you, somebody would have to kill me. So I <laughs> You don't want that. I see the laser. We don't want that. Uh, I also caught that the, there was the line, allies are now enemies. Uh, alliances are torn apart. In your opinion, you know this world very deeply. What is the state of the Avengers in this, in this timeline that we're in right now? Well, we're post-blip, right? So it means that the world has changed. So allies or enemies really is referencing more the border changes and the fact that the world, the world pre-blip was uh, one thing. And now as a result of half the population being gone, um, uh, the world changed and reformed and people became friends of countries that were enemies had to rely on each other. Um, people had to rely on each other differently. Uh, elitism probably went away. You know, all the it infers that the world changed, maybe even for the better, because people had to. Not unlike the pandemic, uh, we've all had to, you know, be cooperative. And then people blipped back, and a whole bunch of people wanted to go back the way it was. And is that a good thing? And so that's that conversation. That's a very interesting, I'm very interested to see how you guys handle all that. That's going to be pretty cool. You also, I know we're bringing Sharon Carter into the show. We've seen her in the trailers. She's kicking ass. And it is so cool to have her back in such an action-packed degree. Tell me about bringing her back and, and crafting what kind of character she's going to be when she, when she has sequences like that that we've seen so far. Oh, she's badass. She's really badass. It's all great. You know, she, well, she's been on the run and uh, she, so... Uh, she's got something to prove. I love that. And so the show seems pretty contained so far. WandaVision was very contained, but I do, I think this is going to be a bit of a globetrotter. We got to Switzerland in the first episode. I think we're going to Madripoor. Can you just talk to me at all about kind of the, the, how, how sprawling this show gets to be before it's over? We, uh, we jump around the world. So it's a real international thriller. 